Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, who's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squire, so welcome to the show. Captain, you're firing on all cylinders today, man. Your 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 football greats was on cue, was spot on. Voice sounds good, loving it. And we're back with another show, and we're back to talk about a couple brand new things that's going on in the football hobby world. And I'm going to hand off to you to lead off the show tonight with a, a new auction and a very old solo pack. Yeah, so I think last uh, last show we talked about Heritage. Heritage seems like it always has an auction running. Uh, they, they just kind of overlap by 10, 12 days each. And uh, they had an auction that fired off and ended on Sunday. Uh, and then they have another one that ends in four days, which is what Sunday. And then they have another one that ends in eight days, which is Tuesday. And then after that, it just it seems like lately they just they constantly have an auction going on. I'm just scrolling down it now, looking at my computer. But uh, the auction ended on Sunday. We talked specifically about a uh, 1958 top sellout. And right. uh, there's one PSA seven that had sold for just under two thousand, and a second one graded PSA seven. Sold for $2,800. That's $3,300 with the VIG. Uh, just in, incredible to see PSA authenticated. Obviously, Steve Hart uh, gave the blessing on those, as he does all packs, previous guest of the show. But $3,300 for a cello pack from 1958. And there's another one that ends this Sunday, 1958 top cello. That's graded PSA 6. It's currently at 1000 1200 but uh, a lot of the fireworks happen towards the end uh just seems to be a real big run on unopened lately and i'll admit uh i'll admit uh, to you bob um, i sold most of my you know unopened 
you know, probably six, seven years ago after we had a couple of guests on, mm-hmm. we talked about the, you know, 50% of unopened was probably resealed. I've always loved right. unopened. Right. It's nostalgic. It's cool to look at. I went on and I bought a 1979 Topps BBCE sealed uh, box of wax packs. So 1979, my favorite set. I went in and bought a box of it, you know, uh, on Sunday night. I just, I had to pull the trigger. So, uh, I've dipped my toe back into the unopened, Captain. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'm interested with the cellos to see if this is, you know, an accumulation from a collector that came, you know, finally coming out to the market. Uh, and they're feeding it, feeding it one by one, you know. To Dripping it in, the, yeah. You know, just tr- trying to get it into the market ever so slowly so better prices can be found. The other issue in doing that, however, is somebody bidding on the first solo is saying to themselves, maybe I overpaid for it because now they're, I'm seeing there's an extra one, there's another one coming out in this auction, another one coming out in this other auction, yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. So it, it has good and bad connotations to it for the, for the market when you see something like that. To me, they're coming out way too quickly. Um, I would would have uh, preferred seeing the first one come out and then let's wait three, four months down the road and have the second one come out and see what kind of interest there is, so on and so forth. But again, uh, I I really have never understood the logic of auction companies. So, yeah. you know, they're right. there and that's it. You know? It's like a roll your own in a poker game. Uh, you know, the one that sold on last Sunday was a PSA 7. It went for 3300 The one that ends... And this Sunday is a PSA six at, at a thousand, and then uh, a week after that, two cellos and same heritage website. One PSA seven that's already at twenty three hundred, and one PS. Or, oh, I, I beg your pardon, I had that backwards. A PSA seven that's at eighteen hundred, and a PSA eight that's at twenty three hundred. So I mean, they are they they do seem to be dripping these fifty eight cellos in, but no matter well, how you introduce yeah. them to the hobby, they're amazing. I mean, these are these are amazing. I mean, you know, if they are authentic, and I assume Steve Hart knows what he's doing, uh, let's say 90% certainty these are authentic. I mean, these are a, a slice of history. Uh, exactly. You know, exactly. Top. It's an iconic set. It's, it's a beautiful set. It's one of my favorite sets. Uh, beautiful set. But I mean, think about that. That's, you know, 62 years old. It's uh, pretty yep. amazing. They're not making it anymore. But, uh, that's that's you know, how old I'll be in- that's how old I'll be in a couple of months. So I know what it's like to be a 58-year-old cello pack. Uh, yeah. So um, in, in reality, days. <laughs> in, in reality, in 11, so, yep, go for it, Bob. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was oh, just going to say, I was going to say in 11 days, they, uh, in, in 11 days, uh, Heritage has a 65 uh, Philly wax pack, but the problem is it's GAI. Because I'm, I'm on the prowl for a 65 Philly wax pack for you, so but, but I refuse to buy GAI anything GAI. Yeah, yeah, I would I would I would definitely stay away from them. I you know from the experience we had a few years back at the national, it's uh, yeah. to me it's garbage, you know. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to the getting back to the 58 fellow, I agree with everything you're saying as far as you know as this historical piece of unopened football material. Unopened football material right now is is by far and wide probably the hottest part of the market right now. Uh, to me, it's always been probably over the past ten years, in my opinion, it's been red hot, and really, it's not going to slow down as as more as yeah. as whatever comes to the market gets absorbed by collectors or dealers. There's less and less right behind it, you know. And I I see uh-huh. numerous ads locally here of uh, dealers trying to buy any type of unopened. And I'm even talking about, you know, 87, 88 tops unopened, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, it's an incredible market for that stuff. I told you at one point I bought like 200 wax pack boxes from uh, of 88 tops football from a guy in Seattle. Right. He was trying to sell them on the old CU boards and he was trying to sell them for like, you know, you know, $10 each. But the problem is they cost, you know, six or seven to ship. So he wasn't moving any. I replied to him, like, I'll take all 200. Uh, I'll meet you midway between Portland and Seattle. And he agreed. And uh, I didn't take <laughs> into account how much 200 boxes of wax weighs or how much volume it takes up. 
remember driving my Ford Bronco up to meet him that I drove at the time. And he, you know, he had a trailer or something and he just starts unloading. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I have enough room. I had to bucket seats down. And, uh, I remember I was pulling away about, you know, the back of my, my Bronco sagging. It was just 200 boxes. Oh, it's wow. a lot. Wow. And, uh, yeah. I think I opened a hundred of them, just sat there at my counter opening like a hundred of them. And then I just slowly dripped a few out and, uh, you know, and then when I sold most of my wax, I got rid of the last 10 or so. And I, I have two left, but even those are valuable now. Gosh, I, you know, who knows? But Heritage yeah. also has coming up for sale that ends in eight days. Uh, and I know this is your favorite topic, but highly graded slabbed cards. So a 1933 Sports King Jim Thorpe. Card number six in PSA nine. It is currently at forty thousand dollars. That's forty eight with the with the vig. Wow. For a PSA nine. You and I have talked wow. about the subjectiveness of a nice PSA nine or a nice PSA eight versus a PSA nine and just the premium because a uh, uh, a PSA eight for this should sell for you know eight to ten thousand uh, dollars. And here it is. It's almost fifty thousand dollars for a PSA nine, which is ju- just basically whether or not the grader is having a good day. You know, what do you think that's of a, that? That's uh, amazing. Are, are, are you watching that one, Bob? Are you a bitter on that PSA 9 sports game, Jim Thorpe? No, I'm pa- passing on that one. That's, that's a little you, 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 all too rich for my uh, my budget right now. But I, I did see it, and I said, wow. I, I can only imagine what that's going to end up going for. What do you, what do you actually think it's yeah. going to go for? Oh, Any they idea? estimated it as 100. They estimated it as 100. I, uh, to be honest, I've never – this is the second PSA nine I've seen. Uh, who's the, who's the big sports game collector, Scott something. I forget, but he sold his last one. It was, you know, I had that personal grade, you know, the personal flip. And I, I, I don't even remember that went for, but I have no idea. This is yeah. beyond my expertise to know what a PSA nine card sell for. But, uh, sponsor of the show, Leland's had their pop-up auction open up on Sunday as well. So it was a big game, a big day for football. Uh, Heritage ended and Leland's popped up and, They've started doing these little pop-up auctions in between, uh, you know, between normal auctions. And this is kind of a cool one, uh, but it just goes to show you the pro- proliferation of, you know, new, because uh, there's a lot of Patrick Mahomes cards in here that are leading off the auction. A uh, 2000 Panini Contender, a uh, 2000 Panini Plates and Patches, a uh, 2017 Prestige. It's just, it's just funny to look at the, you know, nine different versions of Patrick Mahomes, you know, rookie card, you know, in this right. same auction. Right. Right. You got to got to scroll down pretty far to start getting into vintage. So uh, yeah, it's ama- lot it's number twenty. Really, that to me was amazing to see. You know, uh, all the yeah. different versions of one uh, rookie card player. Yeah, if if, yeah. if you if you want to call it a rookie card, you know, just yeah. amazing yeah. to amazing to see the sheer yeah. volume. Gone of the day. Gone are the days. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like an old man yelling at kids to get off my damn lawn. You know, when we talk about, you know, the 200 variations of Patrick Mahomes' rookie card, you know, just like back in my day, the Steve Largent rookie card was 1977, tops number 177, and that was it. You know, the undisputed champion, and yeah, now here we yeah, are. We're, yeah. you know, we're just, so, well, yeah. you know, One of these days, I always... Yeah. I always used to say back in the 70s and the 80s, you possibly would have a police set that had uh, a player's card in it, which was another rookie card besides tops. Uh, on a rare occasion, the Fleer team in action card may have shown the rookie on it, but then you really have to search for it, you know what I mean, because it was all action yeah. shots. So, and or the team issued some sort of uh, team-issued set or, you know, whatever. So, it, at the most, you would have three cards. You know, not three hundred. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. I, I just, I don't know. You know, I'm old school with it, and uh, I just, I just can't, I can't absorb how people are collecting two and three hundred of one rookie card of, you know, say Mahomes <laughs> or anybody else. You know, even Aaron, even Aaron Rodgers is a good example. There's got to be at least two hundred of his, if yeah, not he's, more. Easy. Yeah, and he's a tweener. He's what two thousand ten. So I mean, they yeah, hadn't exactly. even exploded then. I mean, yeah. And I still, and I, you know, I say, I say to myself, I, I still don't know who's buying all this stuff. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. So, market is what it is, and, and that's it. I prefer the older vintage stuff, as you know. 
And um, I have no problem with, with any collector collecting newer items. I know if Tops was still issuing, I'd probably still break open a few boxes and try to put the base set together. Uh, but, you know, they ended in 2015. I have not had a single set from 2016 up, with the exception of the Packers police set in my collection. And that's just the way it is. I'm not worried about it. So uh, I, I had my fun run, and th- that's basically what it comes down to. I doubt seriously if Tops will ever come back into football markets in any oh, way, yeah. shape, or form. You know, so uh, it is what it is. Uh, well, in any event, yeah. our our um, guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him to our audience. Tonight, I'd like to introduce our special guest. He resides in the Atlanta, Georgia area, but originally hails from Minnesota. He grew up a fan of all Minnesota sports, including his favorite, the Minnesota Vikings. A one-time season ticket holder, he has not missed a home playoff game since 1988 and is a passionate collector of most all things associated with the Minnesota Vikings. I'd like to introduce from Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Eric Stein. Eric, welcome to the show this evening. Great. Thanks, Bob. Good to hear your voices. Uh, Joe, good to hear from you as well. Um, Super excited to be on the show and share a little bit about what's going on in my world with uh, my Minnesota Vikings collection. Oh, thanks for the shout out, Eric. I'm so used to people coming on the show and heaping praise on Bob while I just sit here on mute. So I I appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) And I thought that was a good one. Well, you know. Joe, I'm still stinging for all these Seattle Seahawks losses, by the way. That's one thing I don't want to collect anymore is any wide lefts from Blair Walsh or anything of that nature. But oh, man, I, I, you know, I, I tip my hat to you, Eric, for even dipping your toe into that modern, you know, the, the modern market. So good for you. Yeah. Eric, I want to lead off by asking you, how did you become interested in football cards and collecting? Yeah, Bob. So, you know, I grew up in the 1970s, uh, 80s, uh, only child up in Minnesota, just in suburban Minneapolis. My mother was a avid shopper, so she used to drag me around to flea markets and sh- all sorts of stores, and she would satiate my boredom with packs of football cards and baseball cards. So I think 1977 uh, was the first year I broke some cards, and geez, in 1978, I probably broke a few boxes, everything from the <laughs> yellow border clear team actions to the, you know, tops, baseball, football, and just uh, that kept me busy in some of those cold Minnesota winters, um, sorting those things out, you know, checking off the team checklist that they used to have, you know, I used to love those uh, team checklist cards, right, where you had the leading rusher, receiver, sacks, and interceptions, and, uh yeah, so that's that's basically how I started. Um, nobody else in my family really collected anything, and, and I basically just started with cards. And, you know, like most of us, after, you know, going to college and getting married and having kids, you kind of get re-energized to it when you get a little bit later in life and try to, you know, recreate your youth and um, basically try to complete some of those sets that you never really did in the past. So it's it's been a really fun hobby, and... And while the things that's been going on this year in 2020, I've actually had the chance to spend more time on it than probably ever before since I haven't been traveling as much as I have in the past for work. So it's been it's been a good diversion from everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you mentioned those leaders cards, and I, I was very fond of them also when they first started coming out in uh, the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And I just thought, I was just fascinated for whatever reason seeing more than one player on a card. I was so used to seeing just one player on the card, you know what I mean? So when those first started coming out, I said, "Wow, these are really nice cards. I, I really enjoy them." And the heyday of them were during the 1970s, obviously up through the early 80s. That you saw, you know, the team leaders, you saw uh, rushing leaders, passing leaders, so on and so forth. They, I do agree with it. They, they were neat cards. I, I always enjoyed them, and I, I, I definitely looked at them in depth over the over the time I actually collected them. And then as the years passed, I, I really appreciate them more and more. So I, I, I fully understand where you're coming from talking about this. Yeah, yeah it was a great, great way. 
great way to sort your cards and do it by team. In fact, yeah. I've kind of carried that over to my collection for football and baseball. You know, a lot of folks like to keep their sets like in numerical order, but you know, I those team leader cards and it was all checklist and alphabetical order. So I've really kind of kept, you know, not only Vikings cards, I've been working on 1959 to 79 football Philly sets. And I tend to store these things by team uh, in alphabetical order by their last name. And I think the reason for doing that is by those, those team leader cards and, and checklists on the back. It was just kind of how, how we were trained. And I think even on the back of the packs, you could send off and get like a team locker and you could, you know, you could well, store no. the cards by team as opposed to numerical order. So I kind of gravitated to that. Man, Eric, you and I are about the same age. So, I mean, hearing you talk about how you collected and just putting them in by team instead of numerical, I mean, just it, I'm sitting here nodding because it just puts a smile on my face. Remembers, I mean, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about it. Our favorite sets, you know, 1979. Uh, so you, you know, you talked oh. about breaking wax in 78, 79. I mean, uh, ditto. 78 was the year I started, but 79 is when I really hit my stride. And uh, you know that, you know the uh, the Vikings card, the Ron Yeri and the Mick, you know Tinglehoff were some of my favorite Viking. You know Ahmad Rashad. You know oh. just, just cool cards. I, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually remember the story. Go ahead, yeah. Joe, please. No. Yeah. Well, no, I'm. I'm you know, the 1979 tops Ahmad Rashad, right? You know, the all pro cards of those are awesome. Steve Largent's got one, yeah. and and Rashad yeah. was the yeah. other Viking. And so Who? I had a sleep. Who's that first name? Uh, Steve Largent. <laughs> Heard of him. Heard of him. <laughs> he's good looking, good looking dude. Um, good looking man, Oklahoma. He was. I had a sleepover. I was, what, nine years old at the time, and I went over to my buddy's house, and we were trading cards. And the next morning, I went back to my home, and what was missing but my Ahmad Rashad card, right? Like, so we kind of got in a little bit of a squabble at, uh, at school the next Monday, and uh, I've, I've made up for it. Um, I'm pretty sure he swiped my Ahmad Rashad card, but I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got an SGC 98 gem mint of it, so... Um, that's a great card. That's a great set. You know, uh, some of our collecting friends like Abe, you know, it's just phenomenal. The Roger Staubach, the Terry Bradshaw, it's just a phenomenal set. Unbelievable. I absolutely love it. No, you're, you're absolutely right. We've talked about just the, the look of the all pro banner, just the colors. And I remember being confused because there's no logos on the helmet and, you know, thinking it was like a practice helmet or something and not understanding licensing agreements, but, uh, and then, you know, 1980 rolls around and, uh, you know, you know, became another one of my favorite sets. And Seahawk great Carl Eller, you know, his card, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah, no doubt. Now, I heard you say earlier you bought a, a 79, was it a cello box or? or box, no, wax. Oh, wax. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, are you going you gonna to keep that to store it or are you going to break that thing open? Keep that to store it. I've, I've, I've opened plenty of it. I don't need to. And, yeah. By the way, good for you, good for you for re- your showing great restraint when I said Seahawk great Carl Eller on the 1990 yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, obviously we you know we've walked almost the same path where that you know we're nearly the same age and we both got into it at the same time. But you know where was what what kickstarted you you know you know Minnesota Viking cards memorabilia. What what how'd you get started in that? Yeah, you know kind of dovetailing what I said earlier about, you know, mother taking me and opening the packs and stuff. I mean, the Vikings yeah. were huge, right? You know, Bob would remember pretty well the Packers reign was over and the, and the Vikings had a good decade in the 1970s, but you know, they lost all those Super Bowls and then they lost that 77 NFC championship. And, you know, I, I I'm going to admit something on the show here that I probably haven't told a lot of people, but you know, after Minnesota lost that 77 NFC championship, and I think General Bob Lee was a quarterback because Tarkenton broke his leg, you know, people in Minnesota were tired of them losing. And even as a kid, I, I was kind of like, oh, we're kind of done with this. You know, Page has moved off to the Bears. Eller's gone to the Seahawks. Like you mentioned, a lot of these greats had kind of left. And I ended up kind of gravitating, I hate to admit this, but like to the Philadelphia Eagles of all folks, that Wilbur oh, Montgomery 1979 card. I love that card. Wilbur beautiful. Montgomery, Otis Armstrong. 
And so, you know, I kind of deviated a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. when the Vikings made that run in 1998, that was when my good friend and I kind of got these season tickets. He was living in New York. I'm down in Atlanta. We Believe it or not, there was still season tickets available. We paid like 350 bucks, and we could almost t- touch the top of the roof of the Metrodome at the 10-yard line <laughs> of the upper deck. Um, and when Randy Moss, right, I mean, he was a freak, like they said, oh. When that whole thing happened, oh, it was it was huge. And and you know that that '98 season, I would say probably kind of got me back in things, right? I'd already been married for a few years, um, hadn't had any children yet, but it kind of got me back into you know reconnecting and trying to fill in some of the blanks. Um, and then, quite frankly, with what's been going on the last year or so, I've been um, really filling in a bunch of blanks with like some of these uh, newer cards, which I had no idea about because I kind of stopped on football probably in the mid-80s, you know, the 84, 85, 86 sets. After that, I really didn't touch football cards until until a little bit with uh, when the Vikings made that run in 98. And unfortunately, that's another one of our bad losses. I was there in person to see another wide left, this time by Gary Anderson instead of uh, Blair Walsh. So My favorite wide left is Seahawks. Uh, against Vikings in Minnesota, I think playing at, U- at University of Minnesota. I think yep. plagued because I remember it was just snowing and just a chip shot, and the guy missed it. And I just remember like <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> you know? Dude, but, I mean, uh, I was I was at that one too. And the thing of it is, um, that's a great stadium. I think I know Joe. You've been to maybe see a Gophers game there recently. Just yep. an incredible place. Um, we were on the ten yard line where Walsh was kicking that field goal. And, um, yeah, it was like minus 10 degrees, a minus 30, 40 wind chill. It was freezing. You know, you pop a, a beer and the thing's frozen in two, two minutes or less. <laughs> but when, when Blair Walsh kicked that thing, like we knew this was over. It's 27 yards. It hits the back of the net. And yeah. we couldn't tell from our angle, oh, it's good. We won. The whole thing's great. And then a few seconds went by and – we looked on the field and like, no, something's wrong. What, what happened here? Well, he missed it. We couldn't believe it. It was shock. It was shock. But that was a great game. What was it, like 10 to 9? I mean, Bud Grant got out there and, and, uh, without any uh, coat on. And, you know. I remember you know, that. You're right. Oh, my gosh. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. everybody up. That was awesome. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's still, he's still doing great. I think he must be close to 95 or something like that, but he's doing fantastic. Oh, I thought he passed away. I thought he passed oh. away last year. Oh, no. 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 Mm. He's no. still there. He's still alive. You know, as yeah. it relates to him collecting, he, he has a garage sale in his home in Bloomington that he's lived in for decades, and he digs out a bunch of stuff that he's collected over the years, and he sells it as a garage sale, uh, sale and he sits there and people come up and, you know, gives autographs for maybe five or ten bucks and gives it to charity. So he's he's pretty active. He's still uh, he's still in really good shape and getting out good there and doing a lot of hunting and fishing. So. Good for him. I think the coldest game I've ever yeah. been to was in Denver. Seahawks played the Donkos, and it was like the third coldest, you know, game at Mile High Stadium. And, yeah, ditto. I remember buying a buying a pop, uh, you know, a, a Pepsi or something, and it froze in the cup holder. And just I'm like, wow, I've never ever seen that happen. Yeah. Well, wow. Vikings Vikings are at Seattle again this fall. I want to say it's like the third or fourth year in a row they play at Seattle. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so like I said, you know, I've been I've been doing some stuff on the new collection, and that's been interesting trying to reconnect with all these different uh cards that have come out you guys you guys mentioned about patrick mahomes and while i was listening you said like well he's got a couple hundred cards listen to this in 2017 his rookie year he had 1705 different cards oh my this year God. alone this year That's alone he's already I know this year alone he's already had 205 and very few of the sets have come out. Now keep in mind that's including all these different parallels and stuff, but it topped out last year. He had 1,935 different cards. One year, one player. 
that's incredible. I got to say, like, uh, eight, nine years ago, I started – I love Jerry Rice. uh, Seahawk great, obviously, war number 80. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I – I was really collecting his cards. And at one point I'm, you know, I, you know, got a hundred of them, 200 of them. And at the time I had a, you know, a card dealer who was kind of working on PSA tens for me, you know, and he'd, he'd, you know, Hey, I got a hundred, you know, Jerry Rice cards for me. And I'd look at them and, you know, then, you know, entering them into PSA registry, getting them newly, newly recorded. I mean, but I was chasing a phantom. I was chasing a moving goal. I mean, when I first started collecting, you know, Jerry Rice, the master set was like 400 and I added 200 other people were adding cards and I mean, and I, 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 you know, triumphantly bring in like a hundred cards and add them and like, I'm like, all right, this, this is going to put it over the top. And eventually I had like 500 of these things and his master set reached over a thousand. And this is the guy who started in 86 and ended in, in 2005. Uh, you know, and he, he had over a thousand cards, uh, you know, and that, that, you know, that the modern inserts didn't really start, I don't know. It's just, it, it was such a moving target. I, I gave up. I sold them all. So. Yeah. Yeah. There, it, there's just so much out there. So much out there today. Well, well, you know, that, that leads me to our next question, but you're trying for completion. I, w- I will assume that following a lot of the things you've been doing so on and so forth. Let's talk about the quest for completion for you, the, the number of all different Viking cards that you actually have and how, you know, what percentage are you at, so on and so forth. Just to give us a, and, and this is a team that started in 1960. So basically you got 60 years of cards you're looking at, not knowing how many different uh, cards are going to come out for the 20 season. So let's, let's, uh, let's look at that. Yeah, yeah. Let me throw some numbers at you and kind of put into perspective. Kind of uh, uh, dovetails off of what uh, we talked about with Patrick Mahomes. So, um, you know, Vikings over the last sixty years, there's actually over eighteen thousand different cards. But the thing of it is, there's all of these parallel cards of different colored borders. Some of them are one of one. Some of them are limited to. 10 or 15 or 25, it's kind of out of control. But I've actually tried to scale that back, and I've tracked in a spreadsheet, um, which I've spent too much time, I care to admit, my family <laughs> thinks the same on these weekends. need to get back on the golf course, I guess. But 11,600 cards thereabouts I've tracked. I currently own 65% of those at 7,600 and so for your math wizards out there, you know, that, that leaves me 4,000 of them to chase. Now, in 1999 alone, which is kind of that 98 to early 2000s was like the just out of control. There's 900 and 909 different Vikings cards, and I only got like 400 of them, right? So 500 of the 4,000 I need are in that one year alone because you got the stuff like collector's edge and I don't know, Pacific, you know, all this upper deck stuff, Fleer tops. It was like, it was kind of out of control, but um, so basically, you know, I'm, I'm almost two thirds of the way there. Um, I've, I've done most of this honestly through just doing stuff on eBay. I've been able to connect with some people on the internet and get some good deals there. Um, you know, not being able to go to card shows in person this year has been a bit of a bummer, but um, there's a lot of this stuff online. And um, I tell you, I didn't collect any of this stuff, right? Like I told you, like I stopped busting packs in the mid-80s and then really didn't buy anything but like the top sets. And, um, you know, so I've got all the, the tops, Fleer, Philly cards of the Vikings, and it's given me a chance to kind of connect to these things that I didn't know anything about, right? And I've got a few of them in front of me, like Playoff, the Playoff brand, which I never busted one of those packs. They've got these cool little inserts that are pennants, and they're like little mini pennants. Um, they yep, got a couple yep. jumbos. Yeah, and they're pretty cool. And then Classic, never busted a pack of Classic cards. They've got these little milk caps or pogs and stuff like that. And then most recently, um, I found some card of Herschel Walker from 1990 where they spelled his name wrong. Uh, forgot to put the wow. C on there. Yeah. And it, so the it's living, an un- living legend one. 
Living legend, you got it, Bob. Yeah. 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 That's why he's the captain. Yep. I mean, that is exactly right, Joe. I mean, Bob, I I was curious from your perspective, like, were you, did you open these cards? Because, like, when this was all happening, it must have been like, oh, there's another set. I got to go get that. Well, there's another set. I got to go get that. Like, yeah. The story. The st- my story was pretty basic up through 90, roughly 1992. I worked at part-time at a little card shop here locally, and he would always pay me in cards. And I started seeing in 91 just the absolute incredible amount of sets that were coming out and the wax boxes that were coming out. The dealer who owned the store was having trouble trying to buy everything because he didn't know how much to, you know, to keep, keep on shelves, so on and so forth. So I said to myself, well, let me, let me just stick with ProSet. Let me just stick with um, um, Tops, obviously. And let me stick with Score, because in 89, those were the three sets that were still being collected. Well, what happened to ProSet in 93? Basically, they went bankrupt. And Score just started, you know, with all the different Pinnacle, all the different sub-brands. And I really started to lose a lot of interest. So then I started just trying to pull the Packer cards out of it. And even that became a big chore. So uh, as the years progressed, mid-90s, late-90s, I basically just stuck with tops. I kept doing yeah. the Packers police set, and then I just tried to pick up any team sets I had. It was interesting for the show. I did a little research today, and I see that I have 107 different Packer team sets, roughly from 1989 to my last sets in 96, and that's it. I don't have any more after that. I have maybe one or two after that. But anyways, getting back to what you're saying, you know, how many, why would you want to collect 14 of the same card that has various colors on it <laughs> is beyond me. You know what I mean? Well, is there, you know, I don't get it. I, I got, no, I got to tell you, well, that kind of, that, that you said something earlier in the show, right? Like it was, I mean, devastating is probably an overstatement, but when Topps lost that license and it goes to an Italian company, Panini, who'd been making stickers, you know, since the late 80s for football, that yeah, was disappointing, right? I went, where's my Topps factory set? Or where's my where's my Topps box? I, I, I want to bust those packs, right? I want to go after, I kind of like some of those, like, short print variations and stuff that they were doing in the last 20 years. And so it was a bummer when they lost that, and it took me a few years to – kind of like gravitate to some of this panini product and there's a couple sets that they got that's pretty cool i think they have way too many way too many different sets out there but you know they've got this panini instant right which is kind of like tops now which is really cool from a football perspective so like big things happen you know for each week of the season they'll create a card for it right so the big stefan diggs game that was at the minnesota miracle they made a card for that you know there's some there's some pretty cool stuff out there, but it's just really saturated. The big thing for me that's disappointing and why I like that Panini Instant is that they create all these sets, but it's the same players over and over again, like Adam Friedman, Cousins, uh, Stefan Diggs, Daniil Hunter. Like, give me the kicker and the punter. Like, give me some variety here. If you're going to create, you know, a zillion different sets, like, give me some more variety and the only variety that you can get out of Panini right now is this uh, instant. If your team makes the playoffs, they'll create like a 20-card set. And if the deeper they get in the playoffs, it might expand up to like, I don't know, 30 to 50 cards or something like that. Well, the way I, hmm. the way I understand it, it's, it's basically they don't really want to have, I guess it's a league contract. And I don't know how they work with the individual players as far as their contracts are concerned. So I'm wondering if they have to have they have the league league contract and they have the league license, but I'm wondering if they yeah. need contracts with the individual players. And a lot of players say, you know, there's not enough money in it for me to sign the contract. Therefore, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. Or NFL guarantees them the 11 starters on offense and defense, and that's it. I don't know. I really don't know how the contract yeah. works. But I do agree with you that the player selection is. You know, it is the same players, uh, you know, no matter what brand you buy. You don't get anything different. So. And, and I'll tell you, the one parallel color border thing that I went to uh, and tried to collect is the 2019 Donruss. I, there is like, I don't know, 15 different color border cards, 
Some of them are serial numbered from anything from one of one, one of 10, 25, 50, 100. Their player number, like it's like a rainbow of different colors. And I'm probably, there's probably like nearly 150 of them and I'm probably missing like 15 of them. And, and it's wow. one of these things where I'm not going to do this every year. I kind of did it to see like, could it even be done? Could I even, could I even figure out how to do this? But it's exciting, right? Like, oh my gosh, it's a silver die cut of Randy Moss. Oh, I don't have that one. It's limited to like, uh, I don't know, 75. Like, well, yeah, buy it now for 10 bucks or something like that. It's, it's, so it's, it's fun. You know, it's been a, it, it's better for me as a, being a team collector than going to Target or Walmart, right, and, and paying three bucks, right, a, right. Four, or maybe five right. bucks a pack, right, and getting stuff that yeah. I may not want, like those Seahawks and Packer cards that are almost worthless, right? <laughs> well, well played, sir. Well played. All right. All right. Well, I, I know it's hard to whittle your, you know, it's like picking your favorite child. You know, it's hard to whittle your collection down to six items. I mean, you know, maybe you've got that, you know, maybe one of your top items is, uh, you know, that C- Seattle Seahawk Benedict Arnold, Steve Hutchinson. Who knows? But <laughs> would you, would you, <laughs> right back at you, Eric. Would you be able to I hear you. let us know? What, what are some of your favorite items? Well, you know, I'm actually holding one in my hand that I bought. You know, I, uh, the other thing that's been good about this collection quest of all these cards is I actually, before I did that, I was going after some graded cards and SGC from 1961 to 79. And probably in the last year or two, I picked up a Fran Tarkenton, uh, 62 rookie, right. And it's a seven and a half grade. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I, I really enjoy that card. It's obviously those tough black borders. And as I stare at it right now, it's pretty decent card. You know, I leave it next to my bed stand at night every day. So it's pretty good. I like that (laughs) card. Um, but, uh, (laughs) <laughs> there, there is some other stuff that I, I collect that's not just the cards. Um, I tell you, Bob and I have talked about this at a few of the nationals that we've gotten together or in recent years. Absolutely love the black and white team issued photos from the 1960s yeah. and 70s um, by Log. I think it's Loghead, Loghead Photography out of Dallas, Texas. In fact, in my yeah. home office. I'm looking at a picture of my father who played uh, basketball for the University of Minnesota. And he, sure enough, has a picture from when he was a junior or senior. My guess is that this was probably um, the same photography company out of Dallas that used to travel the country and go and photograph all of these you know, professional and college teams across many different oh, wow. sports. And I absolutely love those team issued photos. And they're not really cataloged. Um, some of them have stamps on the back and some of them don't. So it's kind of like a, a giant puzzle to kind of put that thing together. But, uh, so that's pretty fun. That's really cool. What a, what, how, how cool do you put all that together? Huh. Yeah. What else you got? Yeah, and, what else you got? Uh, you know, I mentioned that, you know, outside of the Vikings world, I've been trying to put together kind of X mint ish near mint, uh, sets of tops in Philly from 59 to 79, really prefer to do that stuff in person at some of the shows and immerse myself for a few hours in, in some of those uh, common bins and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've got uh, the graded cards I've talked about. I've even been doing some patches and magnets. Um, uh, other thing is, I, I tell you something I picked up at, I don't know if it was in Philly show uh, or the one up in Boston, outside of Boston, but I ran across a dealer that had unissued photographs, the negatives of Topps photos. And they came in these little top sleeves. And it would say, like, headshot, action shot, helmet, no helmet. And you'd open them up, and it could be anything from Bud Grant, the coach, right, from 1969, 1970. Well, they took his photograph, but they never made a, a, a coach card. Um, and one of them that I've got in my office here is of the Purple People Eaters, but it was five of them. It included Jim Marshall, Carl Eller, Gary Larson, Alan Page, and uh, I believe it's Jim Lindsay, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so it, that that's pretty cool to see, you know, 
tops car cards that never work, right? And that you own the negative for that card, um, wow. which is really cool, right? Because you can, the, the, when you blow those things up in, in this Epson scanner that I've got, it's 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 pretty cool to see the, the quality of these photography. You got photography. Yeah. You picked you pick those up in the Boston show from uh, National Card. Um, uh, I forgot his name. Jeff. Um, ah, it'll come to me. But he he basically yeah. picked up the whole the whole uh, inventory of those and he's been selling them off. Fascinating. Oh. He's got them for baseball and football. It's unbelievable. Uh, wow. It is. I think he had. I remember it. The '62 Jim Brown photograph, right? Like the original. It's the negative, right, of his football card in '62. I want to say that he maybe had a price on that of like seven fifty or eight hundred. But that's that's yeah. a pretty cool piece, right? You know, you blow that up and and, and put a signature on a photo like that. Uh, the quality. Um, of these negatives, right? And you, you scan it; it's it's just amazing. So, and the last thing I would say, you know, on the Vikings piece of it is, you know, I, I like going to games in person. Uh, I don't miss the playoff games, like Bob mentioned. You know, I do enjoy going to different stadiums across the country. I need to make my way up to uh, Seattle one of these days, Joe. So hopefully we can do that. Um, I had one bad game day experience on a Monday night game, I think, with the Packers where, like, Spurgeon Wynn was the quarterback and the Vikings got waxed, like, 41-14 to 14 or something. Um, but, hey, I'm looking forward to going to that new – yeah, it was a classic game for you. Um, but, yeah, going to, like, that Las Vegas Raiders stadium, right? Like, how great is it going to be to go to a weekend in Las Vegas to go watch a football game? I can't wait for that. So. Yeah, it just be it just became a, a just became another you know another sideshow in Vegas. The Raiders just oh well oh, oh well so well oh. you gotta have a you gotta have a oh I'm sorry go ahead Bob no go ahead go ahead oh oh after you you're getting ready to ask the next question go for it all right Eric mine is um, just story yeah. time at Uncle Joe's. My um, question that we normally ask at this time is collecting stories. Do you have any interesting or unusual or unique collecting stories you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, yeah, you know, a couple come to mind. Well, first, we talked a little bit about Fran Tarkington. Um, interestingly enough, my mother went on a date, maybe two dates with him. Um, my <laughs> mother grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, uh, their nickname was the Red Elephants, which is pretty interesting. And and Francis grew up in Athens, um, and so they they connected. Um, he's not my father. I've checked the DNA on that one, but um, so that's kind of uh, an interesting thing. There's actually a a big radio personality that's got one of the top drive time uh, talk shows in town, who's like personal friends with with him. So he's been telling me that he's gonna you know connect me and get me some autographs on some of the stuff that I've got. Um, but the other one that stands out is. I think it was on the Vikings' 40th anniversary. Um, there was a I, probably a, I think it was a Lions game that my buddy and I went to on the weekend, and it was their 40th anniversary luncheon uh, downtown Minneapolis at a hotel. Somehow, some way, we paid like I don't know less than a hundred bucks, and we got to sit at this table, and all the Vikings greats were in the room, and they were celebrating the history of the team and all this stuff, and. That was pretty cool. Um, one of the things that stood out about that is Ahmad Rashad, who we talked about earlier, he showed up fashionably late with his guest, which was Michael Jordan, which, um, yeah, it, it, in many respects, Joe, it, it was kind of rude in the fact that I, I forgot. There one, I don't know if it was Gary Larson or Tinglehoff or somebody was up there talking, and here comes Rashad walking in with – Jordan and the whole room basically stood up, right? Because this is, I don't know what, early 2000s, late 90s or something like that. And that was pretty cool. Um, so we got like a little little trophy or little glass thing that they gave us for, you know, in our ditty bag. And then I had brought some brought some photos, which I'm not a huge autograph collector, but I, I knew that they would all be there. So I was able to get Bud Grant's autograph, Mick Tinglehoff, Paul Krause. 
that's the other thing I did um, that just come to mind. I, I got to play uh, for a number of years with in Jim Marshall's Charity Golf Classic uh, up <laughs> in St. Paul. Uh, 3M, the company up there, owns their own golf course, and Jim would have a tournament up there. And um, uh, we got paired up with Paul Krause, who's a very good stick, really good golfer. Oh, wow. And we had an wow. amazing time. So he signed our scorecard, and, you know, it, we, we, it was a big That's time. Really so, cool. you know, yeah, spoke with Joe Cap afterwards. What a great guy. That gregarious, just just funny guy, Joe Cap. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. That's cool. Boy, I'm, I'm glad you immediately uh, dispelled that rumor that you might be Fran Tarkenton's son. <laughs> you never know. He, you know, he lives in Atlanta still, so he's a big businessman, and, and uh, I hope I hope to meet him. You know, the funny thing is, I didn't mention, in my buddy and I, we were checking in this hotel that they had the banquet at, and so, sure enough, we're going to our hotel room, and who's in the hallway but Fran Tarkenton by himself? It's me, my buddy, and Fran Tarkenton, and we kind of, like, froze, and we're like, oh, my God, that's Fran Tarkenton. He's right there. Like, we, of course, we said nothing, and my buddy turns to me when we go into our hotel room, and he goes, you know what would have been awesome is if we told him to, like, run around the hallway and see if we could sack him like scrambling Fran. And, uh, and so, uh, anyway, that, that was pretty cool being around some of those <laughs> legends and seeing them close up like that. But, um, Would be. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great history, great team. You know, unfortunately, you know, when you're 0-10 in your 10 most important games, lose four Super Bowls and then lose six NFC championships in a row all to different teams, uh, you know, it can be tough, but, you know, when that first victory happens, it's going to be sweet, kind of like the, the Cubs and the Red Sox when it happens. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, Seahawks are one and three in Super Bowls. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember the one, the big win, and then the, the one that got away, you know, you know, right at the end. But to Bob's, to Bob's, uh, yeah. Uh, well, we all have a, we all have kind of a white whale. I mean, we like to ask this. I mean, just that that wish list thing. Uh, curious, what what what's what's on your you know what's on your uh, what are you looking for? What's on your want list? What's your white whale? Uh, a, a Minnesota Vikings Super Bowl ring, uh, victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a pennant as well. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, Joe, on the on the show about the the Ford Bronco coming out. Oh, that's going to be awesome when that comes out. I wouldn't mind putting yeah. uh, putting a nice uh, Super Bowl uh, victory magnet on the side of one of those new Ford Broncos coming out. But yeah, you know, it's 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 from a collecting perspective, um, just can, you know, finish this card quest for these ungraded cards. Um, basically get some more of these, you know, team issued photos. Um, but like in particular, it, it would be, you know, there would be nothing better than to, to end the season on top. Um, it would be, it would be very satisfying. Um, you know, twins well, did it a couple of times surprisingly, and, and maybe one day it'll happen before, before I'm no longer here. That's, that's out of your control. I mean, I'm talking about something, a collectible, like if, Something came up, you'd sell a kidney for. I mean, I'm I'm talking uh, about something that's in your control. You know? Oh, I mean, we, we well, all want Super Bowl rings. Yeah, you know, I tell you, I, well, I love I love this Tarkenton car that I got in that seven and a half. You know, there's not very many of them in in a nine grade. That would be pretty cool to have. And I know Bob's not the biggest on on graded cards, but um, you know, that's that would be pretty cool to have. Um, that uh, you know. Maybe like a, maybe a game used authentic jersey or something or a helmet. Um, that that is one thing that I've I've kind of chosen to kind of stay away from. I've got a few bobbleheads. I've got a really nice 1960s Vikings pennant in good shape. Um, I got some other knickknacks, but you know maybe getting like a, a, a you know a game used helmet or a game used uh, jersey to put in my man cave. Yeah. yeah. Game used jersey from who? Well, that's a tough one. You know, um, I, if the Vikings win the Super Bowl one of these years, I might want it from one of those players. Um, 
you know, my favorite player, I tell you who I really admire of all the Vikings is Alan Page, right? He's, he, uh, he, uh, he had a great, you know, other career as a, as a Supreme court lawyer in Minnesota. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I tell you that, I tell you, here it is. I think he hit me. He got me to zone in on this. Alan Page had the, just a kick ass helmet. He had that cage that was kind of like a thicker, thicker, thicker face mask, kind of like the, the Casey Chiefs used to have, right? I would love to yep. have a game-used Minnesota Vikings Allen Page uh, helmet. Not sure about putting his signature on it because the signature is pretty sloppy. He'd have to he'd have to guarantee me that he's going to put his best effort into that, so he doesn't ruin it. But probably, yeah, a game-used Allen Page Minnesota Vikings helmet. I mean, isn't he still the the only guy that's won the def, uh, MVP of the league as a defensive player? I don't know. Maybe. Wow, that's a good question. Yeah, huh. I I wouldn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. But see, yeah. see, there you go. You didn't know. You didn't quite know what what your what your white whale was. We 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 got you down to a smart goal. Now you now you know specifically what you want. So. I'm sure my wife will be happy to hear that. More money on football stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Alan Page. All right. Well. Yeah, thanks, Joe and Bob. For now, my husband wants an Alan Page helmet. Thanks, <laughs> oh. Eric. Direct. We're we're almost out of time, so to wrap things up, any final thoughts and advice for beginning collectors? Yeah, that's a great question, Bob. You know, um, may sound almost like a oxymoron, but it is. It's good to stay focused. It's stay stay focused. You know, keep track of what you're purchasing. If you can afford quality over quantity, that can help. Um, you know, collect what you enjoy, right? And, you know, one of the other things we've talked a little bit about on some of our vintage uh, uh, chat boards is, you know, share your collection with others, right? It's, it's good for, to collaborate with others and, and let them know what you're doing. I mean, there's so many different things that you can focus in on. Um, some folks that we, you know, uh, communicate with or, you know, they're all into, like, you know, NCAA leather helmets from, like, the Minnesota Gophers of, like, the teens, 20s, and 30s. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, and, and just be able to share and collaborate with others. You can learn a lot, right? And so so that that's one of the things that's been pretty cool about, like, even this modern stuff, right? There's all these crazy cards out there, all these parallels, the rainbow of colors. But the one thing that's been pretty cool about it is it's allowed me to kind of, you know, get enthusiastic. I enjoy, I enjoy it. Like it's, it's a little bit mind numbing at times. Uh, you know, how many different kind of, uh, Pacific or collector's edge, you know, parallel cards can you have? It's kind of mind numbing, but, but it's fun. It's fun to chase and, and do something that you enjoy. So probably focus, uh, quality over quantity and, 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 and do what you do, what you enjoy, not what, not what others want you to do. So that would probably be my advice. That's great advice, Eric. Thanks for being on. We're almost out of time. Eric Stang, a Minnesota Vikings super collector. And if you go back to issue 63 of Gridiron Greats magazine, Eric did a uh, yeoman's job in writing an article on the Minnesota Vikings uh, Museum. And that was a great article, well-received by the museum themselves and by our readers at the same time. Eric, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really enjoyed it. Love you guys to death. I can't wait to see you in person at one of the shows in the near future. Oh, ditto, ditto, brother. One of my fondest memories. Same here. Of us, uh, all of us, just all of us football guys, grabbing dinner at that uh, Cleveland National a couple years ago. Just yeah, that, that was yep. great. Awesome, That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, Eric Stang, Minnesota Vikings Super Collectors. Joe, we're down to about forty-five seconds. I'm going to hand off to you with our two-minute. Warning and wrap up. What'd you pick up on tonight's show? Just classy. I I just really enjoy talking to good hobby friends. And you ever notice how just the good the good ones, their advice is always, you know, you know, collect what you love and hang out with people that you like. I just I just dig that. Just a very commonality, and I agree. It's very true because if we share knowledge and we share friendships, they last a lifetime. And uh, I'm just so happy what I've seen over the past 10 years in the hobby. It's Everything has really changed dramatically than the, the first uh, 30 years I've been in it. So uh, I, I really like the direction of the hobby. I love the knowledge. I love hearing about 
collector's collections. I think it's great. And uh, Eric definitely exemplifies that. It's, and it's uh, great to, yeah. to hear from him. We're almost out of time. If you're not a subscriber, what are you waiting for? Gridiron Greats Magazine. Yeah. Check out website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We'll be back. Thanks for listening. Gridiron Greats. Ba, ba, ba.